0: Pastor Xavier Reese offers this thought on the consequences of disobedience. People were not to pity the guilty person, but
1: put guilt of innocent blood away from them by having that person put to death. So the purity of the land was to be maintained. People were not to defile the land because God dwelt in them, and God dwelt among them. Numbers 35, 34. God is a holy God, and He cannot look upon sin
0: with approval. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Many who mock God's Word think they've gotten away with disobedience just because they haven't been caught. However, the truth be told, being caught has nothing to do with God's ultimate justice. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Deuteronomy as he shows how an Old Testament principle was fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. And it's only in Jesus that we can find true forgiveness. Deuteronomy
1: 19 verses 1 through 13 I've entitled the message, Christ is our refuge city. History courts for us various cultures that have provided an asylum or protective place for individuals who have been guilty of crimes, and if they could only reach that place, they would be safe. Interesting that Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, "Uh, you've made my father's house a den of thieves and robbers, Uh, but it's to be a place of prayer. Now, more recent in our modern history, the early part of the century, um, the main island of Hawaii had a city like that, a refuge city for criminals, where they could flee to for safety. And as we study history, as I said, and cultures, you find this common denominator. And so a person knew that there was always that one chance if he could get there. The problem with many of these cities and these provisions throughout history and through cultures is that though the criminal was given asylum and had some provisions for safety, the party who had been injured or the parties were not always the recipients of justice. And they many times had to live with the understanding that their murder was still out there or the murder of their husband or wife or whatever it may be. And we kind of have a, a, a an understanding of that today as we see our violent society and we see criminals get off and, uh, you know, they mutil- mutilate a body or kill or whatever and they get um, two years and, you know, their license taken away for 30 days, and that's about it, it kind of angers you. It does um, great injustice to the families and to the individuals because it affects their life for the rest of their life. And God never intended that. God wanted justice. Now, on the other hand, the Bible provides such cities while at the same time assuring true justice. These were called refuge cities. What we want to do is look at our text here in Deuteronomy 19 1 through 13 and look at these refuge cities from three perspectives. The proclamation of the refuge cities, first of all, will be in verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 9. And then, secondly, the administration of the refuge cities. And you find this in verses 5 and 6 in verses 11 through 13. And then we want to finish off thirdly with application of the refuge cities because remember, the scriptures tell us that all things were written for our admonition, for our learning. There are all types of things, shadows to come that we might see and apply them to our own life. That's why I love the Old Testament. It's just tremendous. The application is so practical. Uh, It's amazing at times. Let me read the text and then we'll take one at a time. When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God has given you and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit that any manslayer may flee there. And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally Not having hated him in times past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings the stroke with the axe to cut down the the tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long." And kill him, though he was not worthy of death, since he had not hated the victim in times past. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territories, as he swore to your fathers, giving you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three. Lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you to an, as an inheritance. And thus blood guiltiness be upon you. But if anyone hates his brother, lest uh, lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally, so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of the city shall send him and bring him from there, and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. Your eyes shall not pity him. But you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with you. Let's look at the proclamation of the refuge cities, which is found in verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 9. Notice first in verse 1, the point in time would be when they enter the land, dispossess the people, and dwell in their cities and houses. Two important things here. First, the Lord would be the one to cut off the nations. And this is a repeated thing as we've been going through the teachings. It would be God who would do it. How often we forget and how often we need to be reminded that it is God who's doing and it will do everything in our lives that's going to be of any effect and of any value. But secondly, the people would be the ones to receive the benefit. But that's like God, isn't He? He always does the work and then He lets us have the benefit. <laughs> Notice secondly in verse 2 and also verse 7 and 9, the instructions were to separate three cities in the midst of the land. The three cities mentioned were to be in the land of promise, verses 2 and also verse 7. Canaan. Okay, that would be the west side of Jordan. Right now, they are on the east side before they cross Jordan. Notice also the cities were to be in the midst of the land, verse 2 says. Equally dispersed, equally distant, no one at a disadvantage. Isn't that just like God? God. We're, we're incredible as, as human beings, aren't we? I, I'll never forget such a tremendous commercial they made maybe three, four years ago. Two little kids, are brothers. And the kid grabs a candy bar and they're gonna split it, so he breaks it. And he puts it next to it and the one's bigger. And so he, what does he do? He bites it out, he says, now it's equal and he gives it back to him. <laughs> That's how we always look at justice and, 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 and advantage for others. We always think of ourselves first. Now notice that the proclamation was not of Moses, but God's proclamation. For he said that he would appoint such a place for a person to flee to in Exodus 21, 13. It was God's idea. It was God's provisions. You and I do not like justice. Trust me. We love vengeance. The problem with vengeance is the more you get, it only satisfies you for a while. And then afterwards, you want to do some more. It never ends. The successor of Moses, Joshua, commanded the children of Israel to appoint these cities when he got into the land in Joshua 20, verse 2. And so here is being proclaimed, the proclamation. It is God's revelation. And then when they entered the land, Joshua did exactly that. Now, the, only, the other two passages where the refuge cities are really defined and, and described I'm going to be referring to them, will be Numbers 35 and Joshua 20. In Numbers 35, verses 13 through 14, the provisions for three other cities were in the event that God enlarged their boundaries. We also find them here in verses 8 and 9. The six cities covered Canaan, the promised land, and three On the west side, the Transjordan side, Numbers 35, 13 through 14 also tells us that. Now, the six cities were not only for the children of Israel. We would think that God is making provisions for Israel, and Israel's exclusive, right? But was that from the beginning with the promise of Abraham? No. God says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. From the beginning, God had the Gentiles in mind. Now, in Numbers 35, 15... He says that the six cities were not only for the children of Israel But for strangers, for sojourners And for anyone who killed a person accidentally All were included Jew, Gentile How interesting Joshua 20 verse 7 through 8 Names the six cities Let me read them to you Kadesh in Galilee Shechem in Ephraim Kirhath Arba Which is Hebron in Judah So that's on the west side In the promised land Canaan then on the Transjordan side, these side, you had Bezer in the wilderness on the plain, Ramah in Gilead, and Golan in Basham. And you find that in Joshua 20, verse 7 through 8. Now, thirdly, we have the purpose of the cities. It was to ensure justice. The purpose of the city was to ensure justice. And you find this in verses 3 and 4. You shall prepare roads for yourself, divide into three parts, territories for that which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, that the manslayer may flee there. And this is the case of the manslayer. He gives the example there as we'll go through it of a person going out, cutting a tree, and accidentally the head of the axe flying off. Now notice, first of all here, beginning in verse 3, that the person that was a manslayer was to flee there. The person who accidentally or intentionally killed A man, he was to flee there. We'll make the distinction as we go through. So he knew that if a murder took place, he had to right away, not go back home to get some clothes, but take off, go to the city of refuge. Notice also in verse 3, the roads were to be well marked and equally distanced so as to have no person at a disadvantage. Only God would think of this, (laughs) not man. Not man. And then in verse 4, the manslayer was one who had killed a person unintentionally without hating him in times past. And then he was to flee from the avenger of blood. Uh, this provision was made in Exodus 21, 13. Also, Numbers 35, 11, And you find it also in Joshua 20, verse 3. Now, the avenger of blood was the one who was duty-bound by law to avenge the murder of the relative. He was called the Kingsman Goel. Okay? Now, that position served to, as we will go through, first to avenge and also to redeem. And the law, remember, if a, if a person of the relative was sold in bondage, you could redeem him back. Remember the book of Ruth? Boaz was the kinsman, Goel, the redeemer. So it was a twofold, for protection and for redemption. Okay? Now, the manslayer was to flee to the city of refuge that he might not die at the hand of the Avenger of blood, until he stood before the congregation. Uh, Numbers 35, 12 tells us that. So he was to run, and if he got to the city, he would be protected until he came before the congregation for the hearing. Again, God interested in the justice. Now, these comprise the proclamation of the refuge cities. The cities are there by God's purpose, not by man's design. And as we go through all the other specifics, you will see how God is so exact and so perfect. From the proclamation, we move to the administration of the refugee cities. And you find this in verses 5 through 6 and 10 through 13. Notice first in verse 5. The administration of the refugee first was involved in the protection of the innocent. It has been implied to this point. Now it's going to be stated. Verse 5. The case used... Here is an example: is that of a man going out to cut a tree, and he swings the axe, and the head slips off and hits somebody in the head, and he dies. Then he was immediately to flee to the city of refuge, and live. The implication is, the avenger of blood, as soon as he heard, he would take off after him to kill him. He was duty bound to avenge his relative. But secondly. The punishment of the guilty was part of the administration, verses 11 and 12. In verse 11, the case in point is if a man hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies and he flees to one of the cities. This is premeditated murder. He's waiting for him. But this is nothing new, is it? Because God told Noah back in Genesis 9-6 that whoever kills a man and sheds his blood, that man's blood must be shed. Capital punishment, he says, whether it's a man or a beast. If an animal kills a man, you kill that animal. If a man kills a man, you kill that man. Genesis 9-6. Now, you may say, well, thank God that was Old Testament. Really? Really? What are you going to do with Romans 13, 1 through 7 when he says the authorities do not bear the sword in vain? That's capital punishment. The reason why will be apparent as we move through our texts. One is vengeance for the shedding of innocent blood, but there's a greater and equally important reason, and we'll bring that out. The elders of the cities would send and bring that individual from the city of refuge and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood and he would kill him. Verse 12 says that. Numbers 35, 19 says that. So he has premeditated. He's killed this man. He flees to the city of refuge. He gets there and he tells the people, hey, listen, I, I didn't mean it. And so he, he's protected from the mass layer. The avenger of blood comes and he says, this guy killed. He says, okay, wait. He says, so they're going to have the hearing. And after the hearing and the evidence, they find out that he's guilty. They take him to the city where he committed the crime. And they hand him over to the avenger blood, and the avenger blood kills the manslayer. And justice is done. Now, people today cry out and say capital punishment is wrong. Really? Who is it wrong for, the person who was killed or the person who did the killing? Look at our nation. Look at our streets. Look at our neighborhoods. Ten, 12-year-old kids don't think twice before blowing your brains out. There's no consequences. Thirdly, in the administration, we have the proper procedure for justice. If we're going to have justice, then we have to see how just the procedure is, right? In verse 6, he tells us lest the man, the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and kill him, though he was not worthy of death, since he had not hated him in times past. So he's innocent. Okay? The procedures and the process have been already prepared in the roles so they're equally distant. But now he's there. The manslayer was to flee. Lest that avenger of blood, being hot in anger, pursue him and kill him. And if he was innocent, and he did catch him, and he did kill him, now there really would be a crime. And now there would have to be an avengement of blood because he was innocent but in his hot anger he killed him before the trial now the mass was to stand at the gate of the city declare his case to the hearing of the elders of the city then they were to take him into the city as one of them and give him the place of safety to dwell with them Joshua 20 verse 4 says that so he would run he'd get there all out of breath and say hey, listen I'm in trouble this is going on they protect him the mass layer is just 10 feet behind us. hey back off The hearing's got to go on. Then if the avenger of blood pursued him, they were not to deliver him into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally. He didn't hate him before, Joshua 20, verse 5 says. Then the congregation would judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to the judgments of innocence or guilt. Numbers 35, 24. The witnesses... The evidence would be brought out It's interesting We've gone through the Old Testament We brought this out also in the New Testament But two witnesses were necessary For any crime of murder One person was not sufficient To convict you or condemn you There had to be two If you as a witness Were found to be false And you were fabricating Or lying in your testimony Because you wanted this man to die. And if you were found out, then to you would be given the death penalty that you wanted to be incurred on the other party. Now, one person may be dumb enough to do it out of his hatred and vengeance. But for him to find another person to lie and throw away his wife would be hard-pressed. What an incentive when there's consequences, huh? Today, people don't even swear by the Bible when they take an oath on the, on the, to be witnesses in court. What do they swear by? Nothing. Incredible. So two witnesses had to be there. If not, it couldn't be tried. Now, the verdict of guilty would be pronounced by death over the manslayer. And then again, as we said, he would be handed over to the avenger of blood to kill him. And we saw that in verse 12. Now, on the other hand, the verdict of the innocent would be pronounced by safety and protection to the manslayer. Now, the congregation would deliver the manslayer. Numbers 35, 25 tells us that the congregation would deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood and return him to the city of refuge where he had fled to. So after the trial, if he was pronounced innocent, he would be brought back to the city of refuge. And he had to remain there until the death of the high priest. Those were the condition. He was found to be innocent. He didn't premeditate. It was accidental. But he would have to remain in that refuge city till the death of the high priest. Now, supposing the high priest was 35 years of age and the manslayer was 45 well after a while he might say you know he's going to outlive me I'm never going to get go home you know I'm going to take off here this weekend I'm going to go see my parents or my wife well if the manslayer did exactly that if he ever at any time went outside the boundaries of the gates or the walls of that city and that avenger of blood caught him outside he could kill him And he would not be guilty of murder. So, the innocent party knew that his only protection was to abide in the city. The death of the high priest was the only reason for his release, to go back to his home. No other time, Joshua 20 verse 6 says that also. He was stuck. He had to abide in the city. Now, The fourth thing in administration was the purity of the land. It was to be maintained, verse 10 and 13. In verse 10, the cities and the procedures were necessary that innocent blood would not be shed on the land the Lord had given them as an inheritance. God was concerned with the land. You have taken note by now that the land and the people go together. They are never separate. It is God's land, by the way. His eyes are on it continually all year round, he has told us. But notice also there in verse 10 that the people would be guiltless of blood if they were obedient to the procedures and the provisions. If not, God would hold them responsible for the blood that was not atoned by the death of another man. But also in verse 13, the people were not to pity the guilty person, but put guilt of innocent blood away from them by having that person put to death. And so the purity of the land was to be maintained, another part of administration of the cities. Now, God is so wise that He even made provisions in case someone would be killed and there was no way of finding out, and that happens at times. In the event that a murder was committed and someone came upon the body in the field or wherever... Then they would grab the elders and judges of the city, bring them out. And they would bring a heifer over where there's running water. And they would ask the confession and the proclamation of those elders and of those priests of their ignorance and innocence regarding the crime. And then they would wash their hands over the heifer with water as they broke its neck. The blood of the animal would atone for the blood that was shed. God atones the death of life by blood. The people were not to defile the lamb because God dwelt in them and God dwelt among them, Numbers 35, 34. God is a holy God and He cannot look upon sin with
0: approval. Pastor Xavier Reese closes today's message with a reflection on the seriousness of sin. And if you'd like a copy of today's encouraging study from the book of Deuteronomy, all you need to do is mention the title, Christ is Our Refuge City. It's available on CD for just $4. And when you're through with your study, why not pass it along to someone in your church or Bible study? The title to ask for once again is, Christ is Our Refuge City. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's the path that leads to true salvation? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he delivers the Simple Truths of Deliverance next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com